Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go! Hi friends, it's your host, Bryn. Welcome to Bryn Moves, the podcast. I'm a certified integrative nutrition health coach, yoga instructor, dancer, and wellness entrepreneur. Let's go! I'm on a serious but super fun mission to inspire and empower lives. We're here to chat about wellness and fitness, as well as some tools for shifting your mindset so you can live your best. I hope you feel motivated to dive into your own unique and powerful wellness journey after listening in. So whether you're listening from your car, on a walk, food prepping, or putting on your makeup, turn up the volume and tune in for some serious motivation and inspiration. Thank you so much. Hey everyone, welcome back to Brand Moves the Podcast. We are here, Melissa and I. Welcome, Melissa. Mm, thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yes. So I would love for you to start by introducing yourself. I want to jump right in because I know today is going to be a juicy, jam-packed um, episode. And I'm so excited to have you on. This is my business coach, Melissa. And I would love for you to just start by telling the people who you are. And then can you share a little bit about your journey? Because I actually love your story of entrepreneurship and female entrepreneurship and um, how you got to where you are today and some of the experiences that you've had that brought you here because it is your story is so cool and inspirational and such a journey. So I'm excited for everyone to hear from you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, let's just dive in. Um, so, you know, my journey with entrepreneurship is, is pretty unique. Um, but what I love about it is like, it reminds us that we can pivot at any time in our lives, right? There's no set path. There's not like a set series of steps that we have to follow in a certain order or boxes that we have to check. And I think that's really important to remember, especially when we can get so inundated with things that can evoke comparison or should or all of these things. So for me, I actually grew up hating business. I hated it. I thought that you either cared about people or you cared about like business or money or any of that. And this was a very, this was like a, almost a martyr story, but one that I carried. Um, and I just wanted to help people. I, um, you know, I went to school for business, but really just because my dad was like, you can't go to private school for education. And then when I graduated, I was in a cubicle for six months and was like, nope, this isn't going to work for me. And I went right into schools and I began teaching. Um, teaching and coaching. And I spent uh, 10 years in schools, but I was burned out. I was working around the clock. I was broke. Um, and, you know, I had a great career. I started as a teaching assistant and then I became a high school teacher. And then I transitioned to be a high school administrator, a director of athletics. So that was a job that 300 people applied for. And I thought there's no way like I'm going to ever do anything else. This is my dream job. Like I'm going to retire from here. I made it. And that very first year, uh, this was my sixth year in, in education. My first year as a high school athletic director, um, I found out that I was pregnant um, with my daughter, Layden. And um, she was born in, in 2014 and she had some complications with her heart that were considered nothing to worry about, you know, I mean, how can you say, don't worry about it. But, you know, I actually had heart surgery 
Um, I was a division one athlete. I ran many marathons. Like it was a very simple fix, um, what she had. Um, but her, her journey just kept kind of becoming more complicated. Um, it went from, you know, a two week delay to the hospital to a two month delay to ultimately we spent 99 nights at the hospital, um, of her four month life. So we were home for about three weeks and, um, you know, she went on like life support and then they took her off and she lived and talk about an ultimate roller coaster, right? And then that very last time um, when they were taking her off of the breathalyzer, like I didn't, I didn't know if she was going to like, I, th I thought she was going to live again, just like two weeks before when they took her off life support. Um, but that night in June of 2014, I held her in my arms for her last breath. And that moment changed my world. Um, I didn't see it the same. And, oh, emotion coming. <laughs> and, I'm like, I'm already crying. <laughs> the emotion is happening for me over here. Yeah. And so yeah. it was really hard for me to uh, relate to the world in the same way. You know, I said my entire world was shattered and I was put in this situation of how do I want to rebuild my world? How am I going to live my life? And the truth was, mm -hmm the confines of the education system, the politics of it, the caring about if a bus was late or if the uniforms were overdue to be ordered for a certain team or how much playing time someone was getting, like all these things that like I was constantly dealing with. It was my job. I, I should have been dealing with that. But like literally it was empty for me. I, it meant nothing. And so as I went through my own healing journey, um, I went back and studied neuro-linguistic programming. I got uh, certified to instruct yoga. I got certified in holistic health coaching and began doing that on the side. Um, and then in 2018, I uh, left education, took the scary leap. I was $100,000 in debt. I spent $6,000 on a, on a coach. I'm like, well, whatever. I'm already this in debt. Like, might as well keep going. Like, it's another, you know, 100, 106K. What the fuck's the difference? Yeah. It's okay if it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> okay. um, and I never looked back. Um, I first built my mindset coaching business um, to six figures. And then I began, I partnered uh, with another woman who was an excellent fitness instructor and had studied nutrition. And we did a community group for um, mindset, holistic health, nutrition, and fitness. And we took that to six and then seven figures. And then people just came and were like, how, how did you do that? And started consulting people one at a time and then launched a group um, teaching how to coach, you know, how to coach coaches and consultants to build their business online. And then now that's what I do full time at all different levels. Mm, wow. That story. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Thanks for sharing all of that. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. It, so much of what you've experienced in your life puts like life in general into perspective for us just to remember like remember what's important but also to remember like to spend our life living and really you know we don't know when our last day is um, we all have a last day and just realizing that that's coming at some point and are we gonna die having lived a life or wishing that we had lived out our dreams. And I love that you just let your path guide you to rebuilding. Um, sometimes when we hit rock bottom, we hit that moment where we feel like everything's falling apart and that shatter moment. I think that's really 
like a beautiful moment, although very challenging, that it it's a beautiful moment of now the rebuild has started. The breakdown equals the rebuild. And then that rebuild takes you to new heights and new levels and new expression of your truth that you have never experienced or never thought that you would. Yeah. And, you know, thank you for that. And I think something that many people forget is there is still an ROI or value to everything we've experienced, even if it was painful or no longer the path we're pursuing. Like, I didn't just throw in the towel on education. I took everything I learned from education and I'm an educator, right? I remember you said like, yeah. I feel like I'm going to business school, right? Like, yes. yeah, like, so my ability to teach complicated things and break them down actually really supports me in what I do. And my journey through grief with the ups and downs and the roller coasters and the radical ownership that grief calls forward in you. And what I mean by that is I learned a whole new level of ownership for my life. Like no one was going mm -hmm. to heal me. If I was waiting right. for things to get better, I'd be waiting forever because my daughter is still gone. Right. Um, so it was like, I couldn't wait for things to get better. No one was going to save me. I had to take ownership of how I was going to heal, which I was angry about doing. I'm like, I'm grieving. I'm in pain. My daughter died in a case called a catastrophe. And now I have to heal. But it was like, well, who else? Who else is going to heal for you? And that yeah. really supported me in entrepreneurship, Bryn, in terms of like, well, who else is going to build your business? Who else is going to do this? Like, it's mm -hmm. not about time being right. It's not about like you having a certain number of followers. It's not about X, Y, or Z. It's not about even feeling ready. It's about just being willing and being in pure ownership. Yeah. And I always say there's two types of people, the people who believe life happens to them and the people who believe life happens through them. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's hard to go, oh, this is happening for me, but you could at least go, this is happening through me. And I'm like, how do I move through it? And I was listening to the audiobook of Everything is Figure Audible today um, by Marie Forleo. And she was talking about how... Um, someone she knew was working with people on their deathbed and their biggest regret or like their biggest wish was that they would have um, lived in their truth fully um, and gone after their dreams versus um, lived with the weight of the expectations of others and lived the way that they thought other people or society wanted them to live. And they regretted not like really living in their truth and chasing their dreams and picking themselves up after grief and after, you know, all of this and, um, you know, seeking support when it was needed so they could keep chasing after their own visions and the stuff that they truly wanted. And she said that, um, you know, all these people that were, that were dying, that's what their wish was. And that these people die having only reached half or less than half of their life's goals mm -hmm. because maybe there was shame. Maybe there was doubt. Maybe there was trauma. Maybe there was grief or maybe whatever challenge, all of the stuff that comes up in our human experience. Yeah. 
um, that then some of that stuff, we let it hold us back versus going, Hey, it's not my fault. What happened to me, but it is my responsibility a hundred percent to heal from it. And like you said, like take ownership and rebuild my own authority of like over my life. Yes. 100%. And you know, Layden, my daughter, um, it, it, she removed the word should from my vocabulary because like she shouldn't have died. Mm-hmm. And I realized how much of my life I was living from a place of, well, this should happen. This is how it should go. This is what it should be. And like, really, that's all bullshit. It's all an illusion. And yeah. when we remember that, you know, something I realized, I think one of the most powerful lessons that she taught me that I actually think is like my life's purpose to spread is like, we're entitled to nothing, but we're worthy of everything. Mm -hmm. I remember when you shared this with me and it was like such a good lesson. I'll never forget that when you shared this with me. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. I just got goosebumps. So, um, you know, I was walking around like I was entitled to a healthy child I'm like, am I worthy of one? Am I deserving of one? Can I want one? Can I be heartbroken that she wasn't? Like, yeah, all of that is true. But I wasn't entitled Mm -hmm. to anything. The fact that I could conceive and birth and mother her for the time I did, like, that's a gift. And when we realize how much of what we experience is a gift and it's sacred and it's not something we're entitled to or just happens because, like, we're here, we live life in a whole different way. And I was walking around like I was entitled to something, but I was also walking around like I was worthy of nothing. Like my worthiness mm-hmm. went into my job title. My worthiness went into what my marathon time was. My worthiness went into a number on the scale. But mm. worthiness is the thing that is innately in us. The entitlement mm-hmm. isn't, but so much of our society has it backwards and we carry this entitlement and we completely discredit and undervalue our worthiness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember when you shared that with me and that little quote about we walk around like we are um, entitled to everything and deserving of nothing. And it's actually the opposite. We're born worthy. We're born deserving, entitled of nothing. And that really brings out your inner work ethic and appreciation and, um, and vision. And I, yeah, that I'll never forget it. If I learned one thing from you, it was that. Um, Only a few more. You know, yeah, yeah, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. My favorites are whiteboard drawings. The, the teacher in you really comes out <laughs> on Zoom. Um, I, you know, I love like talking about masculine, feminine energy. And I know that you're really great at relating that to business. And it sounds like that the, the nurture the self-nurturing of believing in worthiness and deserving and caring for yourself that's really like the feminine side and then I feel like there's the masculine side of like even one of my one-on-one clients today was like I want to feel secure I want to feel stable strong independent like I have my own authority she's like so how do I work on my feminine and I'm like no that's your masculine, right? That, that structure, that holding the space for yourself while then you can use your creativity and the feminine and everything within. So I would love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Like when we're relating 
because I talk about masculine, feminine in life, in relation to yourself, in your romantic relationships. And I feel like, Melissa, you could really share on masculine versus feminine or masculine and feminine, how we use both and utilize those um, sides of us within business building. Mm, I love this topic. So, I mean, everything is a balance of the masculine and feminine, truly, to be in harmony and to be in growth, um, whether it's a co-creation in relationships. And um, again, this isn't gender specific. It's energetics, right? Um, Whether it's in your fitness, right? Sometimes it's like, no, you have a training program and that's what you're doing. And sometimes you flow and you listen and you're intuitive, right? Um, I apply it to business. Now, um, you know, I, here in Tulum, and I've been here in Tulum for over two years now, Tulum, Mexico, it is very feminine. It is very woo-woo. It is very like, I just want to get up and do what my soul feels like doing today, right? <laughs> Whereas I come from Boston, which is very masculine, and it's very mm. much like the checklist and the this and the that and the go and the go and the go and the go. So it's very interesting. I have these like this blend environmentally. Um, so it's very, I think I'm very naturally, very like acutely aware of, of the contrast and the importance of them. So what I found in entrepreneurship is the earlier entrepreneurs I worked with, many of them in Boston were so in the masculine, they were like burning themselves out, go, go, go. I have to do this. So attached to outcome, right? Like they would follow every step to the point where it would become forcing sometimes. Mm. And then here in Tulum, there was such resistance. Now I'm speaking very generally. So if anyone's listening from Boston or Tulum, I'm just using this as an example, (laughs) right? Um, But very resistant to the framework or the structure because they felt as though they would lose themselves or their authenticity in it. Mm -hmm. And what I say is like having a business is kind of like having a child. Like you, you don't get up in the morning and say like, well, my soul doesn't feel like uh, taking care of my child today. Or my soul doesn't feel like going to the grocery store today. Or my soul doesn't feel like doing this today. Like, no, you have chosen and opted into the beautiful privilege of being a parent. And therefore, you are responsible and you get some framework and some structure. Now, as a parent, you're intuitively feeling into it and you're bringing the softness. So in business, you have that same level of responsibility as you do for Mm -hmm. a child. This is your baby. (laughs) Your business is your baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like someone who I, you know, I I have my own business and I have a business partnership as well. And my business partner was like, I feel like we're birthing our child, you know, when we were launching and I was like, we are, (laughs) but, um, you know, in business, it is actually through the framework and the structure of the masculine that we can flow more. So it's through having a roadmap. It's through having a navigational beacon and through steps and KPIs. So key performance indicators to measure how we're doing and where we're landing so we know where the gap is because otherwise we're just totally basing it off of emotion and we're totally guessing and we can agree that we all have lenses that are biased that are filtered so if we bring that filtered lens and that bias and that emotion to our business we can't make responsible choices for it we're gonna and we're gonna exhaust ourselves more because we're almost running in circles So it's like that masculine framework allows for the flow and it allows for more of like, I always say I make decisions from data and service and creativity, like marketing from like emotion, from authenticity, like, 
you get to play in both, but in different areas of your business. Mm. It's kind of like turning on the, like pulling up the bumpers when you're bowling or like, I don't know why when you just did like this with your hands, like this little squiggle, I thought of like the Mario Kart game and there was yes. like that rainbow road. And I was imagining that as like the rainbow road and the cars, like the feminine and then like, but you could always fly off the sides and then your car would be like going off into the abyss remember? and I'd get so frustrated. It was so hard to like drive on that rainbow road. If, if you guys know what I'm talking about, I hope you're like enjoying this and laughing right now. And if you don't, well, look it up. Mario Kart, classic. 90s baby game, but um, ourselves. <laughs> like, I feel like we needed like the, the bumpers on the Mario Kart game. Like, I'm like, can I put some sides up on this? Like, we need some masculine in this rainbow, like, right. bringing in like the kind of like the sides that stop you from falling off. And then within you can like swerve and play and I don't know what slip on the banana peel, <laughs> whatever, um, create. Um, but there's also like a road. And there's a finish line and there's a um, structure so that you're like, I know where, where I'm going. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and within that, I can play. And that's what I feel like you were doing with your hands when you did the squiggle. Right. Imagine if those bumpers were on Mario Kart. Like you could have so much more fun. You could get so much. You could you know you could like go because you know that when you're going kind of all over the place, you've got a you've got something that's still holding you in, you know. Mm. Uh, totally. Yeah. So Bryn, if we, I mean, you know, the emotional roller coaster, right? The one minute um, I'm, I'm crushing it. This is amazing. And then the next, like, I want to quit. And then, oh my gosh, like, I never want to do anything else. And then forget it. Like we experience that at all levels and all phases, but experiencing that is a normal part of it. It's not right or wrong. Like we don't need to make it right or wrong, but what we want to be responsible for is not making a decision from that. Because if we make a decision based on when we're in that emotion or the up or down, we're not being responsible to our business. We're being like kind of like in victim to our emotional responses, which are bias, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I that's something I feel like I'm really working on is knowing where to use my feminine and when it comes in handy to me and where to, when to use my masculine and when that's going to serve me. And when I first learned and started diving into like divine feminine work just in my personal life and romantic relationship, it did start to affect my business a little bit. Cause it's almost like sometimes you go too far on the scale and I was losing like that structure and discipline. And then I had to almost like, but then like sex was getting better and my confidence and my, um, my, relationship with my partner and it like the way I was showing up in that. So it was like some things were getting better from that. And then other things like in my business were um, falling to the wayside because I was like, and so I had to figure out, okay, now I know I understand this side. And I, I used to operate from a very masculine, you know, standpoint all the time was like that, what you were saying, like that bulldoze, like, you know, um, the pattern of like burnout and all of that. Um, and, and then I went way feminine <laughs> working on healing and everything. And then I had to come back to the center somewhere where I could like know and use both and understand yep. both within myself and then understand both within my romantic relationship and then understand both now within my business, right? I'm required to show up for my clients in a nurturing feminine way where I'm 
listening and I'm supportive and I'm soft, right? And then at the same time, I'm required to show up on time and have a calendar and, you know, do my taxes and all of this stuff that's more organizational and masculine. So it's like, we can have both and we just kind of like switch on and off. And my, my feminine side also helps me be creative in my business. Um, but then the masculine helps me sort of like execute or hold a container. And so I feel like for me, it was like really learning to do both and then know like, okay. And then when I step out of business and I want to step into, you know, having fun with friends or being in relationship with my partner or doing something creative, that's just for fun that I can like actually allow myself to um, be in my feminine in those space in those containers and then be able to balance masculine and feminine in business. And it kind of comes back. You started by saying like you, you didn't really believe that people could care about um, people and money, you know, Mm -hmm. that it was like one or the other. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like that actually stops a lot of people because I think what's happening is there is a lack of like understanding masculine and feminine. And so they're like, if I only care about money, which is masculine, then I can't be, you know, caring or nurturing or supportive. And I'm just taking from people, you know, and it's like, they're missing the feminine side there, which is, you know, and you were talking about that, like you can do both. Like business is both. Well, and the truth is, Brandon, thank you for circling back to that because I forgot an important part. Like how many people could I help when I was burned out, exhausted and borrowing money? Yeah. How many people could I help? It was it was through bringing in like all I wanted to do was like be in like relationships of like love and empowerment and be everyone's cheerleader and all this, you know, and take care of everyone. But I wasn't, my house wasn't clean. I didn't have my structures in place. I wasn't managing my finances well, my time well, my boundaries well. I didn't have boundaries, right? And so I'm burned out, exhausted, not taking care of myself, not fully present. My mind's always racing. So I couldn't even be present with somebody. And I'm $100,000 in debt. Like, was I even really in alignment with my mission of I just want to help people? Or was that like a a story that just felt good. It was through bringing in the masculine and understanding business that now I've helped over a thousand people, like just in coaching alone. I love that you just said, was that just a story that sounded good? You were the one who really like also brought that up with me the other week and taught me about the, um, like, like that it feels really good. You, there was a name for it that you said, like, it feels really good to, And creates all these endorphins and happy chemicals, right? To say our goals or say something that sounds good or talk about something and think, oh, this sounds nice, you know? And then there's a difference between like actually living it out, walking the walk, talking the talk, actually doing it. Um, You know, when we get that short little chemical burst, right? Of like, I'm excited and happy because I said that something that sounds good. And there's a difference between like, does this just, am I just saying this because it sounds good or am I actually like doing it? Exactly. So true. It's so true. What did yeah. you say that was called? It was the, not <laughs> like the placebo effect. No, not that. Something oh. about endorphins. I don't remember. It was so good. Maybe it'll come back oh, to us. Oh, I remember. Yeah. It, was the dopamine. it was a dopamine hit. The dopamine. Yeah. The dopamine effect. Like where that moment of like being like, yeah, like I'm going to yeah. say what I... Like my vision, and then it's like, okay, well, what action are you taking? That's where the masculine comes in. Is like in the in the right. structure and the action to then like 
live out your creativity and your vision, which is your feminine. Yeah. And dopamine, like, man, those dopamine hits are a real thing where sometimes people feel so good declaring it that it almost gives them the quote unquote fix that they need to not take the action to your point, Bryn. Like, oh God, that just felt really good. I declared it. I'm envisioning it. I can feel it. And then it's like, well, I'm not going to take action because now I'm out of pain and I feel like I've declared it. Like I'll put it in diet terms. Like I'll start Monday. Like we feel so much better, right? I'll start Monday and we declare it. And now all of a sudden we want to be responsible. And like, how often does that work out? Right? Yeah. Yeah. It removes the responsibility. Like now for the whole weekend, I'll just do whatever because I'm starting Monday. Like that feels really good. (laughs) Now, whether you start Monday or not requires discipline and structure and a, a deeper why and vision, just like anything, you know, that we do. And, um, yeah. Do you notice like there's a, I notice that there's a lot of people who will try to say that they don't want to be salesy or share their programs or if they're a consultant, like what they're selling or like a rapper, if they're, um, yeah, just like building a business and they're afraid to like share their business because they don't want to bother people or sound salesy. And they're like, and it's, I'm not doing this for the money. It's not about the money for me. And like, part of me is like, what? Like, it's a business. What do you mean you're not doing it for the money? Of course you are. And like, you could have bigger vision within that, but like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Bryn, I could do an entire week series on this one. So, and because I've done a 180, I used to be that person, right? But now I see what a self-focused and self-serving conversation it is. The energetic Mm. exchange of sales is sacred, right? If you are coming from integrity and authenticity, Because when I commit to working with someone, I am invested in them energetically. You know, I'm not like, hey, just one hour on Zoom a week. Like, no, my my energy field is like tapping into yours, right? And yours gets to tap into mine and we co-create together. And Mm I am like, you know, thinking about what's going on in your life and your business and your world, like, like. It's like five, six, seven days a week, right? And like, you know, mornings or night, like it doesn't matter. It's an energetic exchange. But the thing is for there to be a transformation, it has to be a mutual energetic exchange. Otherwise we're pulling somebody or we become resentful or we're enabling, right? And we're actually Mm -hmm. disservicing them. We are ripping them off of feeling what it's like to say, I am worthy and I'm committed enough to make this investment. Yeah. That starts the transformation. The second somebody invests, the transformation begins because yes. they are declaring to the universe. I am ready for new ways of being. I am not just ready. I'm committed and I am yes. worthy of it. And if yes. we don't have an investment to that, we are ripping someone off from that. So, uh, so something else on that, Brynn, I just want to add, if you don't mind, unless you want to say something. Yes. <laughs> Um, I had a mentor and a coach. Uh, his name's Mike Michalowicz. And actually, he still is. <laughs> he still is. I'm like, I was just on Zoom with him. Um, but this was a couple of years ago that he said this to me. And he said, Melissa, if you have a gift that you can share with the world and you believe that it could change someone's life, even just one person, and you hide it in the closet or you don't share it because you're afraid of what people are going to say or you don't want to charge or you don't want to be too loud on social media, You are making it all about you. Yes. If you have something that can help someone and you don't put it out there, you are selfish. And I was like, 
<laughs> saying that to the woman who just wanted to help everybody that like that cut me with a knife grin. Yes, because you were actually going against what you said was your uh, mission, you yep. know, and holding yourself back from, you know, believing you were worthy and deserving of people's investment in your product and your service and what you do. Um, you know, and then you're, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying when you say the resentment, it's like, if you don't charge enough for your service or you don't believe in the money part of it, um, those people aren't putting skin in the game and then they're not making as big of a commitment. And then you're resenting them because you're, you're not getting paid for your time and what you actually deserve. And then you don't give them what they signed up for. And then they didn't change. They didn't have a shift. They didn't have an experience because there wasn't enough commitment. There wasn't enough skin in the game. There wasn't enough like there, like you said, that intertwining, that overlapping, that energetic exchange. And so, yeah, like you got to be willing to charge what you're worth, to put yourself out there, to show up and believe that you know what you're talking about. Um, you know, I heard today that 70% of people suffer from the imposter syndrome where we don't like think we're big enough for the moment or we don't think anyone wants to like hear what we have to say or, or, you know, see what we have to put out our work or, um, that we're not like the real deal, you know, and most of that 70% is women. And it's because we're like literally conditioned, like you said, to like downplay our, our skills and abilities, or I don't want to offend anyone or let me be nice and quiet and polite. Right. And, um, it's like the, the patriarchy <laughs> has taught us to be that way. And because of that, we are seeing the consequences in our careers and our bank accounts and our physical bodies and health, um, in our romantic relationships, all of it by having that built in belief system that we're not worthy. We're not deserving. We're not enough. I'm not big enough for the moment. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Who am I to want that? Or who am I to say this or put this out here? And that belief system, like we repeat it to ourselves enough times that gets built into our energetic body of like what we're sharing. And then it's like, yeah, your goal that you started with was to help people. That's why you have a business. And now you're like flipped around in this shame shit spiral of like, I'm, you know, I have imposters, I'm an imposter and I'm a fraud. And now you're not helping anybody. So it's like, you just, you're not even living up to like what you said was your vision, which is I want to help people because you're so worried about that, which stops you from um, connecting to that money piece, which is like also an important part of business. Well, yeah. And also somebody gets another worthy, like that first investment I made when I was a hundred thousand dollars in debt, you better believe I showed up. And I'll tell you that yeah. having coached over, you know, a thousand people at this point, and then having clients who coach people, there is an irrefutable data, uh, data point around people who either get a scholarship or do a prolonged payment plan or ask to defer payments and how they show up. The people who don't invest mm. aren't invested. It is like literally so clear cut. If you don't invest, you're not invested. Right. And like, I'm not saying everyone has to invest in everything. Pick the thing that you're going to invest in. And like, I'm not talking like a shopping spree or a dinner out. Like that's not investing in you. That's like, right. that's, that's a hit of dopamine, right? It's like a hit of dopamine. Like it feels good in the moment. 
but like really investing in you, um, pick your thing and do it and feel it. Like I want the people I work with to feel a little scared. I want them to feel it or they're not going to get transformation. It's like, you can't go to the gym and get results without being sore at some point. Right. Yeah. It's very similar. And I've, I've, I've personally shifted my vision from, I want to help people to, I want to empower people. I'm not here to enable. I'm not here to save. I'm here to empower the shit out of anyone in my orbit, anyone in my environment, like mm-hmm. as a mom, as former six figures of debt, as someone who's built a seven figure business without a lot of followers, like I'm going to empower the shit out of you. Cause if I can do it, you can do it. Yes. I remember when I first started working with my life coach, Leela, who I've had on the show and she, I was really nervous about the investment. I had never had a coach before. Coaching wasn't even on my radar really until I had met her and another friend of mine, Alex, who I've also had on the show was coaching with her and was like raving about her. And I remember she said, if like, this should make you a little nervous, like it should stretch you a little bit. And she's like, you know, I don't know what your bank account looks like. So if it's like, this is going to make it so you can't buy groceries or pay your rent, then maybe it's not the right time and you adjust your finances and figure out when the right time is for you. But she said, if it's just uncomfortable and you, and it's a stretch and it's going to make you, you know, a little squirmy, but like you could do it. She's like, then you do it, you know? And she, I remember she didn't feel bad about running a business and about charging. And she's also the person who I learned the most about divine feminine from and how to love myself and be true to myself from. And it's just so interesting. Like, so I guess like if you're running a business and you're a female entrepreneur and you're that person that's holding yourself back by being like, Oh, I care too much about people to like charge, you know, more. I don't want to, this. I'm not doing this for money or, you know, whatever. All of that is actually doing people a disservice. Cause like my first coach, she stood in her ground and was, she didn't feel bad about what she was charging because she knew that with that investment would come drastic life change for me. And it did. Um, and then that she would be able to show up and support me. And then same with you, my investment with you is a large investment. It's like, skin on skin in the game. Okay. And like my business is growing at a rapid weight, at a rapid rate. And I am, um, building confidence and learning new skills, like literally every week and sometimes every day because you're showing up for me and I'm showing up for myself. And so, um, yeah, I think we have to stop like feeling bad about like money and be like, I'm running a business where I am offering value to people. And that's one of the things you've really taught me is like, stop focusing on the cost and let's focus on the value. Yeah. Price tag versus value is so important. Like price tag doesn't matter. The value matters, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to show the value and have people understand the value because people will pay any price if they see the value, right? Like look at what people will go pay for a car or a designer purse or any of that. Like but do they know that they're worthy enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and do they value their growth, their transformation, their happiness? And, you know, I think for that woman who you're just speaking to, Bryn, who is like, doesn't want to be in the masculine of sales. Now, there is an antiquated script around sales. Like, I have never given a sales script. I will give a framework of how to run a conversation, but I don't have like a typed out script. I've I've had people ask them for me. I'm like, no. Now that I do want to honor and acknowledge that a lot of our stories around sales come from that old used car salesman, 
right? But if we're coming back to the masculine and feminine, I think it's the divine feminine that actually creates the transformation. You can see my body moving. It's a sacral chakra energy. Like it's the divine feminine. So what I always say is like, use the masculine of the process of connections, of putting stuff out there, of, you know, conversations, of whatever that may be, but use the feminine to let pure uh, people like experience you, to let them witness you, to let them feel you, whether it's through your marketing or in person and use the divine feminine to not sell them, but invite them. Not Yes, attraction. I was going to say, don't chase them, attract them. I had a woman who said to me last week, I, I, you, I don't even know what you sell. I don't even know what you do. I was, I was running a workshop. She goes, I don't even know what you do or sell. I'm on Google trying to find it and like your investment. And I'm just like, how can I work with you? She's like, you've never even sold me anything. And I'm like, that's, I love to invite like, Hey, this is how you can come play with me. Like, this is how we can play this game together. Right. But I think when we can learn to harness our divine feminine through quote unquote sales, I don't even like the term sales. It's just an energetic exchange that's really sacred. And I think when you bring that Mm -hmm. to it and let go of the old stories around the masculine and the forcing and the chasing, you have a whole new experience. Like getting rid of the forcing and the chasing. Yeah. Like I always learned that the feminine cannot be pushed, shoved, rushed, pulled, (laughs) tugged on. It's, it is a very, like, it's an invitation and it's a flow. Um, I know you focus a lot and you had mentioned this earlier on like women or, and people who are in like online business and who yeah. are running maybe like virtual businesses. And there was a big shift during um, the pandemic also where people are like, how do I make money online? And yeah. I know you're like the queen of busting myths for online business, which I love because there's so much coming back to that, like imposter syndrome that we get stuck in. Um, around being online, being on social media, being in front of people and seen by people. And that that stops us or slows us down from really working our businesses. And I would love for you to like bust a few myths for us, bust yeah. them open. I'll just drop a couple down. I mean, biggest ones yeah. I see is I need more followers. I need more followers. Mm, I need more followers. Yeah. Huge. Follower count doesn't matter how many people are listening. I don't care how many followers you have. I want to know who's mm-hmm. listening to you. And Also, if, you know, like, I don't know, you have 20,000 followers, like, are you looking for 20,000 clients? Probably not. So how are you just speaking to the people you want to work with? Right. Um, Yeah. I always think of like engagement, like who cares if you have a hundred followers, if like 85 of them are engaging, like, dang, your calendar's full. (laughs) Yeah. I think another one I see a lot is I work with people who think I'm going to build a perfect website. First of all, no one looks at your website. I'm sorry, but no one (laughs) looks at your website. Like, yes, at some point, maybe, but like, it doesn't really matter, right? I've done this every time I've done a big training. I ask my client, like in the room, I'll be like, how many of you are my clients or have been my clients? And like 10 hands will go up. And I'm like, okay, how many of you bought from me because of my website? 10 hands go down, right? Like it's not, so people- I've I've never looked at your website. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Sorry. So, no, <laughs> Just it's fine. But that's, you know, we want to forge real connections online. And that's the thing is when we hide behind follower count or perfectly curated photos or perfect websites, we're actually hiding. And it yeah. can be more comfortable to spend five hours developing a website or fixing that or whatever it may be than it is to connect with people. But it's, this is, life is a connection game. 
Wow. It's a connection game. Now we have to figure out how to forge, you know, authentic connection in the virtual space and translate that to, you know, the social media is just your, your launching point to bring to an event or bring to a workshop or a training or a low ticket or whatever it is. Right. Um, but you don't need a million followers. I have less than 5,000 followers and I've built multiple six and seven figure business. Like you don't need it. Come on, come right. on. And yeah, you know, I, used to be stuck in the building of the website, having all the back end stuff or like what I thought was back end stuff, like perfectly organized and like, yeah, the social following and all of that. I, that's definitely where I would say I started because I thought that was what you needed. Yeah. You know, you look at people and you're like, oh, it must be this, this, I must need to do this. And yeah, uh, I got stuck building my website and I actually never finished it. I don't have a website currently because I was like, I don't know why I'm making this. I don't know what I'm even supposed to put on these tabs or pages. Whereas now after working with you for the last few months, I'm getting to a point where I'm like, oh, I need landing pages and I'm building little landing pages and little places for people to click something and check out and for people to sign up for a program and for um, people to get information for something because I'm actually like, needing it based on the amount of connections I'm having and the work I'm doing and the programs I'm putting out versus as before I was trying to start with that stuff. And then it's just sitting there. Like if it was yeah. a real thing, it'd be sitting on the shelf collecting dust. Like no one's looking at it. No one's touching it. Um, and I also just didn't even know what to put. And I got stuck um, because yeah, I, I didn't have the connections. I didn't have the interaction. I wasn't focusing on people um, in the way that I could have been to actually build business. Building yeah. a business isn't building a website. It's building people. 100%. Relationships. I think the last myth I'll just hit, because man, we could do these for a while, but uh, sometimes uh, we think that if we just post something saying like, here's how to work with me, that like your inbox is going to flood with DMs of like, I can't wait to work yeah. with you. Right? Um, that doesn't happen. Right. That's like very no. rare. And it's just not going to happen. And on the flip side of that, we think, well, I can't post that because like so-and-so is going to think that or everyone's watching. Entrepreneurial is very, like entrepreneurship is very humbling. Like no one's watching that closely. Right. So, like, you posting that you're doing something isn't going to land 50 DMs in your inbox saying, I want to work with you. And you posting is not going to land a group text message of people saying, like, did you see what so-and-so posted? Like so many people envision those stories and it's just not the reality because you know what? We're not that important. <laughs> people are thinking of you much less than you're thinking exactly. of yourself or than you exactly. think they are. Yes. Exactly. You're not that so important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I found that to be very true. And that allows us to get rid of shame as well and get out of the perfectionist mindset, knowing like done is better than perfect. And let me just start somewhere because if we're always focused on that perfectionist mindset, and I actually did a whole show with um, Sam Harvey on that uh, about getting out of that perfectionist mindset, you know, and it really, the shame like thrives in the perfectionist. Um, it, it's such a good hiding place <laughs> for shame. And so it's like, yeah, just put yourself out there. Who cares if you make a mistake? It honestly just makes you look human and makes you more relatable. Um, 
if you fumble on your words or you post something silly or whatever, to me, I think that makes people realize like, oh, this girl's a human. I can relate to her. She's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Okay. There might be something here, right? Right. A hundred percent. Like real and relatable. That's what people are looking for. We want authentic connection. We don't want, you know, we just, we want to just like, like, we just want to be able to feel like we're in it with somebody. Not that we're like, no one's on a pedestal. We all have different Mm -hmm. skill sets. My coach is not on a pedestal because he's my coach. We're co-creating. We just have a different skill set, right? Yes. And we're so quick to do that. But to your point, and you and I talked about this, and we might have to do a second episode, but like the environments that we're putting ourselves in is so important, whether it's the coaches or like-minded people in a community. Like we don't get to be on pedestals, but we do get to put ourselves with people playing a big game if we want to play a big game. Because for me, I want to be the dumbest one in the room. Right. Yes. Yeah. Put me in the room with the millionaires and the yeah. and the people with the four GPA and the Ivy League school and the big businesses and all the yeah. things. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is for you, that yeah, yeah, that inspires you. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think I've heard people make the comments before of like. I was here and I didn't belong there. And I'm like, whoa, what are you talking about? Like you belonged there because you were in the room. Like you showed up at the place. Like you definitely belonged there because you were there. Like that was not by accident. That was with divine purpose. And getting out of your own way and being like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm here. You know, let me soak it up. And then we start to become like the people that were, spending time around in our environment affects us way more than we would ever believe that it does. We become like those people and our mindset begins to shift based on what we're hearing, what we're seeing, what we're eating, what we're taking in, what we're listening to, the energy of the people that we're standing around or spending time on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 100%. I mean, we are what we consume. That's people's energies, people's vibe, information, podcasts, food, everything. We are what we consume. So I always say, like, consume wisely. Consume wisely, everyone. (laughs) It's like the drink wisely, but, like, really just do that with everything, okay? (laughs) It's a warning label for life. Consume wisely. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Oh, my gosh, Melissa. Well, before we wrap up, I would love for you to share um, just a quick tidbit on how you personally, because, uh, you know, I love to jam on this, how you personally care for yourself. Maybe just a couple of top tips or things that you make sure you do to care for yourself on a maybe physical level, on an emotional or mindset level, on a spiritual level. How are you regulating and caring for yourself as a female entrepreneur, as a business owner? Um, what like helps you to actually support yourself to keep mm. going? Oh, so, oh, I just got goosebumps. So it's um, shifted. I mean, one, having a coach, right? <laughs> like I have a couple, um, having a coach for sure. But, um, you know, as my entrepreneurial journey really grew and intensified and I'm holding the energy and I'm holding for a lot more people, um, 
a lot of things got to shift in my personal life, meaning I used to work out, I used to run marathons. I used to do intense weights, whether it was berries or CrossFit. Um, I would work out a couple times a day or like at least, you know, five, six times a week. And I was doing intense spin classes. So one major thing for me was my fitness shifted to like walk jogs, hot, cold therapy, light weights when I feel like it. Like I, I needed to not have intensity in that part of my life too, because mm. I needed to balance the intensity that was ramping up in my entrepreneurial journey. So that was definitely one way. Um, I love my little morning routine of tongue, tongue scraping, dry brushing, affirmations. I have a manifestation practice that I've been doing since 2018 that I love. It's written. Um, telling people what I need, for sure. And like when I'm in my personal life or, you know, I'm in like a romantic relationship or sometimes even just like a friendship, I'm like, I... I'd really like you to make these choices for me. I'm done making choices for the day, right? Like yeah. Yeah. these little things that allow me to just like decompress. And I think of it as like intense energy um, mm-hmm. are all, you know, really big. And, and if we look at those things, none of them are expensive. Like, of course I invest in my coach, but like that's an investment, not a price tag. And of course I love to get like my massages where I can or, but I'll tell you the most important thing, Bryn, that I have found for me silent time where like once a month, I will try to, when I finish my calls on a Friday, I will have like a date night with me and my vision and like my journal. And I will try not to speak out loud until hours after I wake up the next morning. And I will Mm. like play. I don't watch TV. It is literally just me with me from like Friday night when I'm done with work until I go to bed on Friday night. And then Saturday I'll get up and I try and have as much time in the morning I can without speaking. And like, it's like this little Mm. game. I will almost feel like I had a week vacation away from just that. Mm. Yeah. Especially with working with so many clients and speaking for business, like in your downtime, having that intentional silent time, I imagine allows the words that you do say to be way more potent. Yes, 100%. Even sometimes in the morning when I get up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait an hour before I speak out loud, even just an hour, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes a real big difference for me. Mm. That sounds so lovely to me. Like just, I just like, like sort of like internalized or like embodied it for a moment, like the feeling of like being quiet. A lot of times when I drive my stepdaughters to school, they're like, can we turn on a song? And they're ready to get pumped up at 7.30 a.m. on the way to school. And I'm like, oh, my God. Some mornings I say, no, I'd like to drive in silence today. And then they say, okay, fine, then we'll sing. And then they start singing. (laughs) But when I'm by myself (laughs) and I'm not trying to get pumped up at 7.30 a.m., maybe I have a day of coaching calls and stuff. I do also like to spend my morning quiet. I do not turn on TV. Same at night. Um, I don't listen to music um, unless I'm like maybe doing my embodiment practice and usually I'm moving to something soft um, depending on my energy. But yeah, when I first wake up and also when I'm going to bed, I love that quiet time and it just does feel like a vacation. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Last, last one I'll add. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to say it. And I'm like, ah, it's Bryn's podcast. We can say it. But um, I began studying this before I went to Peru. 
uh, last year, like a year and a half ago, but um, particularly for women entrepreneurs, I'd encourage you to look up and like research around sexual transmutation of how you are harnessing and churning your sacral chakra sexual energy for creativity and output and, and creation, because it's all the same. And when yes. we learn to really protect that, um, I can't even tell you the shifts when you bring intention to it and you decide like when you are harnessing and churning that within versus letting that be penetrated or letting it go out to someone else. Like it makes a huge yeah. difference. Um, and I also yeah. learned about covering my belly button <laughs> because What's it's that? like the portal. So I was working with a healer who was like, Melissa, you got to cover your belly button. You're, you're an empath. You pick up energy, you read energy. And the belly button is like the birth. It's like how the baby's grown inside. And he's like, that's like the energy exchange portal. And so I actually began being very intentional about covering my belly button when I'm coaching. Like not wearing crop tops? Is that what you mean? Like, Well, if I do wear a crop top, then I would wear a higher waist short or something. I mean, everything I own, you can't see it here, but everything I own is like a crop top. But more so when I'm coaching in group settings, yeah. right? Having like my, uh, this healer, he would just wear a belt when he would work. He would just wear like a belt right around his waist, like a little band. Wow. I've yeah. never heard this and I'm like mind blown. And also like, yeah, like my baby's umbilical cord right now is like connected right to her. That's why you have a belly button. <laughs> a belly button, I know. <laughs> Mine's turning into an Audi. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> okay. Wow. That's interesting. And yes, one of my I have two books that I love about energetic, like energetics and the way you're talking and like chakras. And one of them is really just based on the sacral chakra and um, area and and exactly what we're talking about, harnessing our sexuality, our sexual energy and um, reclaiming our power as women. And then like seeing that in all these areas of your life and looking at being a woman as being powerful and it's called pussy a reclamation by mm -hmm. regina thomas shower um god, regina is she is something if you guys follow her on social like i'm like oh my gosh but like i learned so much from that book one of my clients is reading it right now and she messages me like every day being like like the head exploding emoji <laughs> I love that. Oh my God, I can't believe this book. And I'm like, I know. Um, so that's a great book, Pussy, A Reclamation. And then I also read a book recently that's about the seven stages of healing. Um, and it is called, oh my gosh, now I'm drawing a blank. I might have to put it in like the show notes or something, but it basically goes through your seven shock, like through all of your chakras. And I you know, that's a great place to like learn as well about how our different energy centers. So like your, your third chakra where you're talking about where your belly button is, or like your sacral chakra where that sexual energy, um, you know, also is also where your creativity is housed. And I learned a lot from, um, that book as well. I don't know what I can literally picture it in my head, but you know what my pregnancy brain right now is like, I don't know what the title is, but, um, <laughs> it goes through the seven stages of healing and, and yeah, I love to focus on those energetics. So I love that you brought that up, like starting from the yeah. base, from the sacral, that second chakra of sexual energy plus, um, as women harnessing that area and the power that comes from that area and using our creative juices and our, 
all the all the juiciness that comes from that space. Yeah. yeah. It's potent. It's potent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So good. Well, thanks for being on the show today. I like love this. And yeah, we can always do a part two because I know you and I could talk about all the things all day long. Um yeah, if you guys like loved hearing from Melissa today, um, I want you to be able to find her. So just share with everyone your Instagram, your website, what you have, if you have anything coming up that people can check out. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, just follow along. I just love to share value. Instagram, I'm Melissa Dugalecki. Not an easy one. So Melissa D-L-U-G. We'll probably find, like you'll find me, D-L-U-G-O-L. Um, it's my full name. Melissa Dugalecki. And then my website is melissadugalecki.com. But shoot me a message. I love chatting on all the things. I love connecting with new people. I mean, the whole purpose that we're here is to connect and expand. So we'd be honored to connect with any of you. Hmm, so beautiful. I'm like literally trying to Google search this book because it's bothering me so much. And it's like literally, oh my gosh, I found it. This is like one of my all-time favorites. Anatomy of the Spirit is what it's called. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It took me a very long time to read it. It's very, I would look at it. I'm like, this book is so daunting, but I read it at the perfect time in my life. Anatomy of the Spirit is the other book that I was thinking of. So if you want to check it out. So you guys check out Melissa, uh, check out her website if you want, but more importantly, send her a message. Um, Obviously you guys hear and see, she's like so incredible, so personable, so helpful. Um, a true light sharer, light bringer, light giver. And I am so honored to get to work with you and have you on Bryn Woo's The Podcast. Thanks for being a special guest today and sharing all of your incredible brightness and knowledge and um, tips and tools with everyone. And take what you learn from this. Share this show with a friend if you loved it and you know someone who is building a business um, or who wants to, um, or, or maybe they already have a business and they're working on some new ideas or some growth. Share this show with them. There's nothing better than sharing a you know, good podcast episode with a friend. I love when someone sends me a podcast and says, you're going to love this. Um, So give, give someone in your life that gift and don't forget to um, subscribe to the show. Every week we've got new episodes coming out and rate the show. Um, That also is really helpful to me. So love you guys. Thanks for listening and we'll connect again next time.